Hey, welcome to the Lead Loud podcast brought to you by Talk Drawer. I am Richard Mulholland. And I am Justin King. And today we're going to be turning back the clock a little bit. But firstly, we, we're probably in a bit of a rush. It's not going to be a super long one because you you heading off, you jumping on another plane again, aren't you? Yeah, off to uh, Chicago this evening. Got back, flew back in this morning, off to Chicago this evening, off to speak at LinkedIn, which I'm quite excited about. Uh, in fact, this October, I think there's only four days in South Africa, just back-to-back talks, uh, the U.S., uh, Canada. Like after the Chicago trip, I go back to the U.S., go to Utah, and then it's all around. Then I've got a, a little big uh, hiatus in Germany where I go play some board games and come back home. So is that, what, 30 countries this year so far? I think 30 com- countries visited. I think 25 countries spoken in Ridiculous. on six continents. Ridiculous. Yeah, and jet lag. So you're looking quite good, though, considering you've done that amount of traveling, yeah? Yeah, you never think I'm, I'm 17. <laughs> yeah, I know. So the traveling isn't so bad. Like, I think this week will be a bit, bit rough. You're kind of in and out. And, uh, like, I'm there for, like, two days. I'm traveling longer than I'm there. But um, but it's cool. You know, you suck it up and you do it. I'm trying to build something. Yeah, awesome. We're trying to build exactly. something. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why we had you do four. We recorded four talks now in the last two hours as well. So it's a busy day. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I love this shit. Uh, I, I must say, and just maybe as an aside, and for, you know, we talk about getting feedback and stuff, but I'm really loving the direction uh, that the new talks based on the books are going. I find that, um, one, I'm able to revisit and re fall in love with books that I'd read ages ago, like the one we're going to be talking about today. And like books, I mean, this book was super influential for me, but it's also so easy because somebody's already done all the heavy lifting, turned it into a good story, done all the great research. It's like such a pleasure doing this and I actually believe in what we're doing more now yeah uh, well on that point I went to a, a startup grind startup grind um, session uh, event on Wednesday last week and before the event started we just it was a master class with uh, Arno Smith and just before the event started we had an opportunity just to to go through the room introduce ourselves and kind of in 10-15 seconds give a quick overview of, of what it is that we do and what business we're part of and what I love about the focus, like you said, on books now is everybody got it straight away. Yeah. I mean, we take the key lessons from business books and we turn them into talks you can deliver to your teams. Boom. There it is. That makes sense. I get it. And that's a great idea. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we, we're both feeling that. We've, yeah. You know what I think is a big telling thing is that none of our old users – like usually if you take something and then you change it for the better, you still get the old users like, oh, I kind of like it the old way. Nobody. Everybody, time and time again, oh, I love the new direction. In fact, maybe, I don't know, two minutes before we start recording, Dylan Jiri, shout out to Dylan, boy, Dylan, well, probably one of our first proper active users, a guy who's now basically built a career. I mean, he's traveling as well as having his amazing business, Kilowatt. He's traveling over, he's become an EO trainer, he's traveling around the world, you know, speaking to people. And he started out using uh, TalkDoor, in fact, before, when it was even LeaderSpeak. And the message just got from him was, dude, the new TalkDoor content is so good. Like, people are getting it. And um, I'm excited. And it's, it's been a work in progress and it will still be a work in progress. I mean, we've had other ideas to rock things yeah. last week, but we're getting there. I think one of the big reasons for it is that it's easier to understand the content. So there's a little bit of work that our users still have to do in the fact that you've got to give some, do some time, put in some prep to actually understand the content and practice, rehearse the talk and stand up and deliver it to your team. And previously, when we were creating all our own proprietary content, they were having to understand the content as well. Whereas now they, a lot of the time, will already understand it because they know the author, they know the book, and they can just go straight into it. And also, it helps address one of the big credibility things. So for those of you listening who maybe not tried it, one of the first big complaints we got from people was, but I, I don't understand. How can I tell my team I'm presenting other people's content? 
And I was like, but dude, if you're, you know, if you've if you read a book, you can tell your team about it, you're presenting other people's content. When I created a proprietary talk and we turned that into proprietary information, it sounded like it was just this generic talk. Uh, but when it was, this is content I picked up on a book, people are totally happy because they're not saying, I wrote the book. Of course, it's other people's content. It's it's content from a book. And they're very, very happy with that. There's no credibility at play. It's kind of like you have to give a book report to your team with the key points. And uh, we've actually just prepared slides and the content for you. And you're delivering the book book report. I think you use the, the analogy. It's kind of like buying a ready cake mix. So hmm. if, you, if you go to the store and you buy a ready cake mix, you still got to go home. You still got to crack the eggs, measure the milk, put it all together, mix it. And then when you go give it to somebody, you say, I baked a cake for you. And you did. Exactly. Exactly. So same principle. Whereas if you just buy the cake and you serve it wholesale, then it's, there's a cheated play there. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Anyway. anyway yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to, I suppose, guy, turn back the clock a little bit this week. I mean, the, the book that we're going to talk about was first published all the way back in 1990, well, 1981. Really? Sure. Yeah. 30, 30, what's that? 30 odd years? 35, 38 wow. years? 38 years ago. Um, so, wow. Yeah, first published all the way back then, and subsequently it's had new versions published, I think 2000, oh, 1991, and then 2011 again. So it's been rehashed quite a lot. So the book that we're talking about is is Getting to Yes, The Negotiating Agreement Without Giving In by Roger Fisher and William Urey. And I know in some of the subsequent editions, there was also another gent that was there, added some content. Forgive me for, for forgetting the name. Um, but yeah, so this was... And this book has been given a little bit of, a little bit of shit lately. By the newer kid on the block. Uh, 100%, which we're, we, let's chat about now because I was going to chat about it. So we haven't done a podcast episode on it, but one of our previous talks that we did was on a, well, the talk was called uh, The Art of Negotiation. And that was on a book, uh, lessons from a book called uh, Never Split the Difference. By and that was Voss. Chris Voss and, and uh, Tal Raz. So... And that's the darling at the moment Correct. of the negotiation book. This is the new thing, and he's an FBI hostage negotiator. So it's got all the right things. It's like the extreme ownership of negotiation books, where these guys are kind of academic negotiators. And he kind of talks about how he can run circles in them. And in fact, in the in his series, he does, in his book, he does actually diss them a little bit. And, you know, fair play. He yeah. is fighting words. But yeah. yeah, they were from the, the Harvard negotiation project. Yeah. So very academic, as you say, like the psychology of it and the very focused on it. And remember, the basic but, opening, even in Ertok, was Chris Voss going up against the Harvard, it was like intentional, the Harvard negotiation much. team 100%. and showing how he completely dominated them. It was a little bit of a dig. Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. So, but on that point, and I was going to maybe ask the question later, but... So which one of these is right? So you are a team leader. You've delivered uh, the art of negotiation using the, uh, the strategies from Never Split the Difference. And now you want to deliver getting to yes. And they, they're not opposing strategies, but they are very different. I mean, do you choose one over the other? Does it depend on the situation or how does one go about that? You know, it's quite funny. We just recorded, and I guess it's something we'll talk about in future episodes, Wisdom of Crowds by James Sirowicki. And he talks about having, you know, there's an expert who has this point of view, an expert has this point of view, an expert has that point of view, all of these different experts. And then usually, almost always, the truth is the intersection of all of those points. And that's what happens here. You know, I would have bought, if I'd only just read, uh, and every time I want a YouTube comment, someone says, oh, but Never Spit the Difference kills this book. Uh, I, I loved Never Spit the Difference. I find it, I didn't like the author as much. I find his tone a little bit, it's just not for me. I get that some people love it. Um, the same reason I didn't like the tone of the author of Extreme Ownership. It's not my thing. It's too kind of brass and in your face. You talked about it. But anyway, but 
The only thing I can say is, well, you can say it's crap all you want, but I read Getting to Yes in the early 2000s and my business changed overnight. Okay, so maybe there's a slightly better way to do it, but it doesn't matter. Just understanding the principle of BATNA, right? If you know where your BATNA is, your BATNA is your best alternative to negotiated agreement. When you're going into um, negotiate with somebody, the first thing you need to understand is what is my BATNA? Basically, what is the BATNA? Who amongst the two of us negotiating has the best alternative? I.e., if this does happen, that's okay. You know, if, if you're negotiating with a used, car, a used car dealer, the example we give in the, in the talk, you know, your BATNA is very strong because if you don't get the right price from him, he knows you're going across the road to the other used car dealer and get a car there. But if you're in an airport negotiating because of the expensive meal prices, uh, uh, you know, who's batting at a strong then? I mean, they'll just say, well, then don't eat because you have to eat there. You don't have a choice. It also helps you figure out what your, uh, you know, what is my upper limit? My Where am I going to go to in this negotiation? What's the most I will spend or the most I can back down? Now, the newer book kind of this is this, except that this, I cannot tell you how often just going through the exercise of working out my BATNA helped me and the tools he gave or yeah. they gave helped me so much. So I don't think it's about one or the other. I think it's about understanding both. Yeah. So for me, and I don't want to, I don't want this to be a comparison between the two, but for me, the big difference was, and obviously uh, Chris Boss was, like we spoke about, ex-FBI hostage negotiator. Now, if you are in a hostage negotiation situation, you have to win. There, there is no kind of, and we speak about it in that talk, there's no middle ground. You, you have to win. What I like about the getting to yes strategy is that you, you look at it from the point of view of finding win-win situations. So it's not a, a win or lose, but it's it's where's that middle ground or where's that, where do we find the situation where we both walk away from this feeling like we've won in the agreement rather than I must pound my opposition into the ground and I must win. Yeah, there's almost no win-win in a hostage negotiation, Correct. you know, unless not getting killed by snipers is your win. Yeah. So, so the context is different. That said, there's still some really, really great, I mean, I love the content on the Never Spit the Difference talk. In, in fact, and I think, I mean, are we, we're saying to people they should deliver these as a series, right? Yeah, you should be giving both of these to your teams. You should be saying to them, I want you to choose what's right for your style, but also what's right for what situation. You know, which one of these things? The bottom line is there is nobody that cannot and should not be better at negotiation. It's, in my mind, you're always negotiating. Just everything is negotiation. Sometimes you just don't realize you're in one. Yeah. So the, the, the authors call it a principled negotiation in getting to yes. And they, they've got five uh, key principles that they talk about. And we've distilled that down to, to three in, in the talk. Um, one you've already mentioned, which is developing your BATNA. And I'd actually never heard of that until you, you brought it up and actually mentioned it to me about 18 months ago. I can't remember what we were discussing, but you brought that up. So that was the first time I had heard about it. And that's obviously your experience with, with getting to yes. how long it has stuck with me. Ex you know, exactly. So the three, the three principles that we focus on or what we focused on in the talk for you to, to uh, impart onto your team are focus on, on interest, not position. Uh, mm -hmm. Think win-win, which we've just touched on. So invent those, those options for uh, mutual gain. And then the third is obviously developing your, your BATNA, which is your best alternative to the negotiated agreement. Um, Another talk, incidentally, on this one that I would recommend, you know, if there was a third part to the series, uh, Crucial Conversations, which went live maybe two weeks ago. That one as well talks about this win-win, uh, getting to that point, just doing that exercise, just figuring out what would win-win look like before you go into a negotiation. This is an amazingly powerful tool, yeah. especially if you're the only one who's done it. 100%. 
quite a powerful little um, strategy or method that we used in the talk and it's from the book is, is kind of looking at a negotiation from a third person's perspective. So two, two people are going up, a, up against each other, um, looking at what that win-win situation would be like from a, a third party Point. perspective. Um, that is quite useful. It, it forces you to take a step back and look, look at, I suppose, challenge your own views on the way you are negotiating. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? 100%. You're trying to turn around and say, if, if, if we took this to a court, in, a court of law, what would the judge say? If, if, if a third party mediator was brought in, to this situation, what would the mediator say? And sometimes when you can take that objective point of view, you realize, ah, okay, the mediator would probably say this. And in fact, you can get it. You can ask somebody to try and help you out before you go into negotiation to figure that out. But what everybody does is everybody spends all their time trying to arm themselves for their side of the argument. You know, what would this look like? What is this? And again, all of this talk about never backing down and things like this. You know what? You're right. But you know what the one difference between all of these negotiators, when we talk about just, you know, I guess, Getting, getting everything, not splitting the difference, is that um, Chris Foss never has to negotiate. And again, I don't want to be a dissing the guy because I really, again, think some yeah. amazing practices. But he never has to negotiate with the same terrorist twice. But sometimes, yeah. right? And again, when you're doing this anecdotal thing, you're trying to go up against a Harvard guy. And if you know, he talks about how he kind of crushed them in the negotiation, right? But if they're your customer and you've made them look that bad, the next time you're doing business with them, it's not going to be quite that great. So I do think we need some degree of subtlety and nuance. And incidentally, both practices, by all means, do bring that in. Yeah. But it is an art 100%. and a science, I yeah. think, this negotiation. And then on that point, the point of the art and the science, like some of the criticism that I came across for, for the books when I was doing some, some research, or, and actually for both, both the books, was that perhaps the authors oversimplified a lot of the negotiation practices. Um, there are a lot of nuances that maybe they didn't take into consideration. Um, it's easy to say this is a strategy, follow this process, but we know we all know how things happen in life. Everything mm. is not going to pan out exactly that way. So for sure, but you've got to start with something. Um, and the best analogy I can do for that is that it's a it's a this is a group of do doctors who have field experience debating about the simplicity of a first aid course being given to people in a corporate scenario. Right. Once you're a hearty negotiator, and again, I promise you, if you've got a team full of top, top negotiators that, that understand negotiation theory, our 10-minute little talk is not going to be. I'm assuming, like most teams, like most people, you've got a team of people that negotiate without the skill. Right. You need to understand that if you look at it, if you're a 10 and you're looking back, sure, these are simplifications that are a three or a four. But that same little bit of, you know, the same way the doctor looking back at a first aid course. A first aid course is totally pedestrian and oversimplified to a doctor. However, that little bit of first aid training can be the difference between living and dying when it matters. And that's what this is. This is like the first aid training for negotiation. It's going to give you the early tools you need and give you the, the understanding. And more importantly, for people who get it a tiny bit, I don't know if you remember, it's going to sound like a crazy analogy, but I once went onto a YouTube video and did this like four or five years ago. I learned to do one little card trick with magic from this, this uh, website. But then, you know, just he piqued my interest enough to make me want to master it. I must have spent about two, 300 hours of videos on online, bought courses, did things to the point that eventually I was quite an accomplished card magician because we hooked them and got them wanting to know more. And if that's all we achieve from your people, 
or from the audience, when they watch these talks, of all they get is that they're like, wow, this is amazing. I understand this. I want to research more. And they can do their research beyond these pedestrian three simple rules for type things. Then we've won. Okay. That makes that makes a lot of sense. So it's kind of in your negotiation journey, you've got to crawl before you can walk, before you can sprint, yeah. and kind of start with those basics yeah. first. It's the first aid. 100%. And on that point, when, when delivering this talk, I think it's a great idea for the, the presenter to – Give some thought to some um, what's what's the right term? Some case studies, some practice uh, negotiations that he can oh, chat yeah. directly after the the talk. Your team has just heard the content; they've heard the, the strategies. Put put them into action there and then divide them into teams if you want to start that way, or one on ones, or whatever it is. But I think yeah, yeah, make it like involved. a Monday morning. Don't just like yeah. schedule twenty minutes like you normally would. Schedule an hour. Yeah. What a fun way to start the morning. That like come up with some big negotiations, but have somebody negotiate salary. Have somebody negotiate with a fake customer, have somebody negotiate, you know, somebody is a customer, somebody is the thing, negotiate everything and see what people come up with. It'll be an amazing exercise for your people, especially when they use those tools. But now ironically, um, we said this is going to be a short episode because I'm rushing for a plane. Um, it is the longest episode uh, yeah. we've ever done, but I enjoyed it. So I haven't like, seen you for so long. Yeah, I miss your face. Yeah, yeah. talking to you. Um, and yeah, but on that point as well. So if there are any other negotiation books that anybody... Oh, would, yes. It's been interesting for us as well. So... Shoot them through to us. Yeah, let yeah. Us add know. talk to her on uh, Twitter and Instagram, Instagram. And please let us know any other negotiation things, even if it's like one body of work or a talk you find, some different kind of discipline. Hell, even if it's just one little thing that you've tried, I'd yeah. love to know. We can share it in footnotes and things and update in future episodes of the podcast. Um, but yes, uh, it's been it's been really cool chatting. I think this is very exciting. I'd love to hear, as always, feedback from uh, you guys. If you do present it, please let us know. Yeah. And if you've not, um, let us know why you're not. If, you, if, you've, if you've been listening to the show, but you've not been jumping in and presenting, I'd love to hear from you why why that is. Yeah, yeah, we're hungry for, for those insights. We, we really want to know. We want to learn from our audience. We want to learn from our users. So please shout out to us anytime. Cool. So until next time, stay curious. And lead loud. Peace.